Welcome to Business Smarts Radio with Tom and Dr. Dane, the clean approach to building your successful business. Now, let's introduce Tom Borg and Dr. Dave Miles. Welcome to Episode 7 of Business Smarts Radio with Tom and Dr. Dave. We're bringing you the clean approach to building your successful business. And by clean, we're not talking about spick and span and dust mops. We're talking about clean. This program is all about communication, leadership, engagement, and no drama. Absolutely. And no drama because those are the things that can help improve your business. Today in episode seven, we're going to talk about what is job benchmarking and how can it help your company? What is job benchmarking and how it can help your company? So a couple questions that I have for you is have you ever hired a person for a key position thinking they're the greatest? We did such a great job. Love this person. Love this guy. Love this gal. They're wonderful. Come in. They interview. They just knock it out of the park. And either two things happen. The person who interviewed isn't the person that showed up on day one. Or Within three to six months, they're doing great. But then maybe the shine starts to come off a little bit. By month nine, things just aren't ticking like they want to. And then within a year, they've either quit or you've had to terminate them. And you've got to go through this whole process over again. Mm. I mean, unfortunately, Tom, the scenario happens so frequently. It's not even funny. It's it's sad. It is is extremely. Extremely, extremely expensive. Mm-hmm, absolutely. That's exactly what we're talking about here today. Let's take a look at some, some things we prepared for our listeners today, Dave. One of the things I've got here in some research that we've done is the financial cost can vary depending on the position for which the hire was made. The Career Builder Study estimates that or above seven to $10,000 as the average cost of hiring the wrong individual for an entry mid-level position. So the cost of wrongfully hiring a manager is typically, typically in excess of $40,000. I know you had a, something else you wanted to add to that. Yeah, well, I mean, one, $40,000, and that'd be the cost of hiring the manager. I mean, that's sad in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And you talked about it being anywhere between seven and $10,000 basically for that career builder study, you know, the mm-hmm. cost of hiring an entry or mid-level. So I know that right. varies, but even the stats are even for just an $8 an hour position. Wow. Mm-hmm. $8 an hour position can cost the company as much as five grand in turnover costs. Really? Now, if you think about that, you're looking at, oh, it's just a, it's a fast food job. It's a convenience mm. store job. It's just this $8 an hour cleaning position. I don't care. I'm not going to worry about trying to do anything fancy with it. One, there's a hundred more people that want this job. I hate to tell you in this market, there's not a hundred more people that are looking to take this job. Just being honest. And that goes mm-hmm. more to the retention end of it. Mm-hmm. But 80% of bad hires come from 80% of turnover comes from bad hires. So you mm-hmm. have to do your job as a leader and as a manager to, you know, have those retention, the things you're doing to keep your people different story for a different episode. Mm-hmm. But just from the hiring, if you hire smart from the beginning, you're going to avoid that. But my question to you would be how many five grand checks do you want to write? Mm. Even if there right. was a high unemployment, even if there were 20 people to take that one person's job, how many times do you want to just keep that revolving door open and you want to just keep writing five grand checks? Right. And Dave, help our listeners out. Where does this $5,000 
go? In other words, how does it happen mm. that this $5,000 comes off their bottom line? Gotcha. Well, the funny thing about whether it's this seven to $10,000 for the entry or mid-level manager position, whether the mm -hmm. cost of an average uh, manager costs 40000 or the, the career builder study was talking about, this isn't something that you know, your CIO, I mean, your CFO or your accountant, uh, your bookkeeper is going to mm -hmm. give you in a financial statement. A lot of this is, it's really hidden costs. Cause if you think about it, a couple of ways you could look at it is you have to hire for the position. Mm -hmm. So you're taking your time to create an ad, put the ad out of there and do go through all the recruitment stuff. Well, just put it on Indeed, put it on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. add in the paper. That all takes your time that you could be doing something else that adds into it. Mm -hmm. Then you got to field the phone calls, field the resumes, field the applications. That's time. Your time, you're not out making money doing things of higher value. Then you have to interview them or you have your staff interviewing them. That's mm -hmm. still time. They can't do anything else. That's right. Then let's just say you hire the person. Great. Now they start. You're onboarding them. You're paying them to be there, but they're not productive. Okay. That's part of the cost. Depends on how good they are, but how long is it going to take them to really get up to, to full speed? Because they may not get up to full productivity right away. And that gap in between where they really need to be when they're firing on all eight and where they're at right now when they first come in, that's part of the cost. Mm -hmm. And it's particularly expensive for salespeople. Oh, yeah. There is a long time. Sometimes they estimate about 18 months before you cross that line between mm. when you start to break even from the cost that you put into recruitment, hiring, onboarding, especially with their sales, paying them a salary before they're actually bringing in revenue. Sure. You know, and, and anytime you, you know, once you get to that uh, maybe 18 months sort of break even point, from that point on, they're making you money. Right. It's a positive return. But before then, anything until that, that you've lost money. And same mm -hmm. thing, how many times do you want to continue to kind of write those checks? But that's where a lot of those... I call them hidden costs, but they're not that hidden. It's just oh, yeah. not something that's going to come across directly on your uh, on your P and Ls or your financial statements from your accountant. Or your and Dave, bank. what about the impact it has on the rest of the team when you see this turnover happening within the organization? That's that can really go to your engagement, honestly, because and that's that's mm -hmm. uh, an even more hidden cost. It's that's really sad because you think you're up to full staffing, you get somebody in. Now, granted, you're not doing anybody any favors when you're bringing somebody in who's toxic to the organization. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of that coin, what you don't want to do is, you know, when you start getting rid of people now, oh, crud, we're shorthanded again. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to make up for their bit of work. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a long time to bring somebody in. We put our time and sweat equity and effort into training this person. Now they're gone. Mm -hmm. How many times do I want to keep doing this as a staff mm -hmm. member? Because that's extra work for me. That's right. It just continues to build on itself. And when you look at engagement, you know, same thing. I, I am certainly not a math major. Right? Mm -hmm. Finance is not my thing. But one thing I do know is that when you look at engagement, the definition of that being that little bit extra that somebody gives you mm -hmm. that they don't necessarily have to do. Mm -hmm. And if I have 20 people that work for my company and each of them just on average, just 5% more, that's it. 5% more. 5% more times 20 people is that's one full-time equivalent. That's there you go. basically an extra staff person that I don't have to hire. Mm -hmm. The bad exactly. part is from a cost standpoint, 
is it can go the opposite way as well. That's right. So what can we do about this? What can we help our listeners with today? Well, one of the things that I'd really like this, you were, when you were pulling some of the research, mm-hmm. uh, there was a, uh, it was a Falcon uh, Fatomi, who was a business writer for Forbes magazine, talks mm-hmm. about the financial impact. And this is one thing that I wanted to make sure that we looked at before we went on. Okay. And I wanted to read the quote that he had. Mm-hmm. And his quote was this. It had reported that while the financial impact is quantifiable, Chief financial officers actually rank a bad hire's morale and productivity mm-hmm. impacts ahead of monetary losses. That mm-hmm. kind of goes back to what I was saying is that there's a lot of the, the hidden costs to it. With sure. Them creating a toxic environment because they're a bad hire. Mm. He goes on to talk about Zappos CEO, uh, Tony Syed, once estimated mm-hmm. the CEO's estimates, not the writer, that Zappos estimated bad hires had cost the company well over $100 million. $100 million. Whew. Yes. Oh. And now, I'm saying that, let's face it. I mean, we're, we're, all, we're not heading a company as big as Zappos, but right. think right. about the amount of money that they make and think about mm-hmm. $100 million. Well, if, it, if you were a $10 million business and it was costing you $5 million a year in this hidden turnover, if you were you know, $1 million or $2 million in revenue and it's costing you a half a million dollars a year in this hidden turnover cost. Oh, boy. That's money that you can't be putting back into your business, or that you're Very having expensive. to spend. Yeah, that you're having to spend on staff to make up for this because of turnover and poor engagement. It's really okay. expensive. So there's a lot of consequences and repercussions to not building the kind of environment that people want to stay on the retention right. end of it. And more specifically for today's episode, is mm-hmm. talk about tools and things that you can use to make sure you hire yes. right the first time. Let's talk about that. Okay. Sounds, sounds excellent. So one of the things that I know you and I use on occasion is, mm-hmm. and we like to use with a lot of our clients, is there's a tool that helps estimate some of this. Yes. We're just kind of going through a little bit of it. It's called a, the cost of a bad hire tool. Mm-hmm. And if you get in touch with either myself or Tom, we'd be more than happy to share a copy of that with you. It's just mm-hmm. a neat little thing that you can plug in a little bit, few numbers yourself and just kind of get an idea of, wow, how much if I did hire for this position wrong? Mm. Very insightful. How much would that hire? So that's something that we have available. More than welcome to reach out to either of us uh, via yes. email, and we'll be happy to send that over to you. Mm-hmm. But you had mentioned about doing different research, and I had alluded to it before, but it specifically came from Harvard Business Review, talking about that 80% of turnover mm-hmm. is due to bad hiring decisions. Right. And we talked about how expensive turnover is. So my thoughts are just follow the bouncing ball, kind of left-brain logic that, if turnover is this expensive and that 80% of turnover is due to bad hiring decisions, if I can make better hiring decisions in the beginning, I can save money in the bottom line, have less turnover and honestly uh, have your employees because you're not having all that churn. Mm -hmm. So talk about some of the processes that we use to go about helping different people to hire right the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, so we're talking about a benchmarking system that we both use with our clients, and that's identifying the type of uh, person you want and using a tool that'll help you measure every applicant that comes in. And that's something we've been using. We'll talk a little bit more about that, Dave. Sure, I'll sure. Start. Yeah, it's a process. We Tom and I call Candidate Insights, mm-hmm. and we use a lot of different tools, uh, a lot of them assessment-based, a lot of them just working with the clients themselves. But mm-hmm. We have this initial, what we call a job benchmarking process. And what it does is it 
you sit there for maybe uh, half a day with some of the key stakeholders mm -hmm. for this particular mm -hmm. job. I'm working through one right now. And the trick with that is to figure out if the job could speak for itself, mm -hmm. what would it say it needs? And so you boil down to a couple of different things. You look at one, you take the maybe one level above, do a 360. One level above, some people at the same level, maybe some people below, depending on, and if it's a CEO position or executive director position, maybe you, you have the board. You have somebody else, maybe an executive director from either a former one or somebody that knows the position well, and some of the directors that may report to them. And with that real holistic 360 view, you take a look at what does it need for that job to be able to function properly. The job is speaking, not right. the person. Okay. I'm taking the personalities out of it. So mm -hmm. a, a great example that I love to use is, for example, if you're hiring an HR generalist, mm -hmm. what is one of the most important things that you can think of? And I'll put you on the spot right now, Tom. And what is like the most important part of an HR generalist job? If they don't do this job, they failed. Well, they certainly have to know how to um, deal with people. They have to be able to communicate the policies, procedures. They need to enforce uh, the rules, the, the, those policies and procedures. Oh, yep. Part of it. Yep. Compliance. Compliance. You, you talked about that, enforcing those policies and procedures, the compliance, because they're the ones that need to be experts in mm -hmm all things HR, HR law, HR right. policy, you know, um, FLSA law and that kind of thing. So saying that compliance might be the most important thing. Mm -hmm. We're going to look at the top three to five things that are the most critical for their job. But then you look at how much time are you spending doing that? So it might be the most critical for that position, mm -hmm. but that's not where they spend their most time. That's right. But that's fine. So what you do is you list your top three to five most critical parts of the job. You look at filling up basically 80% of their day because you can't fill up 100% of someone's day. Mm -hmm. There's always unexpected things that come sure. out. Mm -hmm. So you figure out the percentage-wise, how much time do they spend doing those top three to five accountabilities, those key accountabilities that are like, if we if these don't get done, this job is a failure. And if they do get done, this job is a success. Same thing, the job is speaking for itself. And they take that piece of paper and the, the subject matter experts that are there sit down, they take an assessment that ask questions. How important is this? How important is that in comparison to what the job says it needs? And mm -hmm. at the end, it creates this objective benchmark. This is what the job is. It doesn't, it takes the personalities out of it. It takes the unconscious bias out of it. It takes all the, it looks at specifically here are the behaviors and the behavioral characteristics that are needed for this position. It looks at, specifically here are the things that drive their driving forces and things that motivate them. This right. is the type of person we need for that. And their soft skills mm -hmm. specifically, what are the skills that are needed for this position? And it, the nice part is it takes it away from being an outdated job description in comparison to an overinflated resume. And then you play this God awful Kabuki dance when it comes to the interview. And you know what I mean? It's, it's that thing where you come dressed to the nines, mm. you're putting on a show. Mm -hmm. They're putting on a show. They're mm -hmm. asking you questions. You prepared for the questions. It's back as forth, it's back as forth. And like I said, I call it a big kabuki dance. You mm -hmm. need to do that. That's a vital part of that. But honestly, if somebody came in and they were having a bad day, mm -hmm. their kids were sick. They just found out one of their parents died. It, they got in a car wreck on the way there. Any number of things that could put them in a tailspin for that day. Hmm. If, if they don't perform that well in that interview, 
Mm -hmm. But when you look at that job benchmark and you see this is the most qualified candidate, this fits everything that we need, that one thing is not as important. It, it's not the end all be all. It's only it's one part of the process. All, exactly. It's only mm -hmm. one part of the process. And that takes a lot of that subjectivity out of it. Right. You know, and so obviously play, people are going to go through their automatic disqualifiers. Mm -hmm. They're going to go make sure that they have the licensure or what they need for the job. There's a lot right. of filtration yes. for that. Of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this is something that one, it's patented. So mm -hmm. I love the fact that it's, it's something that you and I have access to this patented process, but it, it's EEOC compliant. And as long as it's one third of the process, they do a resume review, yes. they do an in-person interview, and they use this tool as long as it, and that makes it one third, but as long as it's one third or less, mm -hmm. it's just a piece of it. Sure. That's what makes it, that's what I like. It makes it special. Right. We're encouraging them to do other things as well, like a background check, uh, oh, things absolutely. that are going to just make sense. But uh, this tool does do a lot in helping put some, some science into and take the guesswork out of hiring someone that's going to be the right fit for that right position. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I laugh because, you know, looking at the, uh, some of the marketing material for, uh, from the assessment company that we get a lot of these uh, pieces, the, the patented part of these tools from, mm -hmm. I laugh because they talk, they're kind of, phrasing on this was it's just for hiring it's like Moneyball versus spin the bottle mm -hmm. it's that much difference in that it's just the roll the dice and and hope it turns out for the best versus like you said being able to put some science to it yes and you look at the just like with the movie Moneyball it's like mm -hmm. is that really the best decision that guy doesn't look like he's would be mm. the candidate I would choose I have the data. I have the numbers. This is the right person. Exactly. And so that putting all of those together really makes it easier for you to hire right mm -hmm. because the job is talking for itself. And it, like I said, takes some of that subjectivity and just unconscious bias out of the process. That's right. Well, so Dave, what, what do we need to do? What, how can we help our listeners take some action on what we're talking about here today? Bring sure. it well, all together. Sure. No problem. Um, what I would do is a couple of things. I would, we all know how much a bad hire is going to uh, cost them. Mm -hmm. We know a lot of times how they can um, put up with some of the nonsense. I, I want to add a quick thing here from Dan McCarthy. Mm -hmm. I think he had a great quote on this and then I'll tell the listeners what they can do. Uh, you talked to me about Dan McCarthy, who is an executive coach who puts out uh, a quote here that talks about, Having a bad hire, you know, of course, has a negative impact on the rest of the team. But he talks about when one employee is underperforming or carries around that consistently mm -hmm. bad attitude, you know what right. I mean, that toxic yeah. environment they're creating, yeah. it just has a devastating effect on the rest of the team. They've got to pick up the slack. They've got to cover the mistakes, put up with all kinds of obnoxious work habits from that slack or coworker. Mm -hmm. Good employees will resent having to put up with the nonsense. That's right. Uh, he, uh, Dan also mentioned that morale will suffer, standards will drop to the lowest common denominator, and eventually the problem is, ends up happening. You lose your good employees. Yes. Poor performers stay. Mm -hmm. And eventually, unlike GE, where they had a consistent process of weeding out the bottom 10%, now you're weeding out your top 10 or 20%. And over the course of a few years, the only thing you have left are your mediocre performers That's because right. you built a culture and cultures is nothing but what you tolerate. Doesn't That's matter right. what's on the wall, it's what you tolerate every day. And if you tolerate that behavior from a bad hire, you know, it ends up obviously causing 
issues in the workplace. But one thing that I look that they can do is find out just a little bit more about it. I mean, it's, you know, they can look up, there's some different resources and we'll put some of those here on the screen. But honestly, just reaching out to either of us and just having a conversation on, hey, if I have a key crucial hire that I'm looking at, or I have a specific, maybe even a lower level position that I want to make sure that I am consistently getting the right type of people across the board, just to reach out and, and have the conversation. I so said there's a few resources that uh, we'll link to here on the screen. But mm -hmm. other than that, I would just say, uh, I would have the listeners kind of reach out and ask about it because I said, when we talk about this kind of benchmarking, we're not talking about it from the pure HR management position to where we're looking at the position and what is the salary and what are the benefits and what are the, you know, the, the cost of living at the different places and benchmarking salary adjustments, pay adjustments based on that term of benchmarking. Mm -hmm. now, we're talking about, like I said, letting the job speak for itself and really putting a process in place and no process is perfect, but to eliminate those bad hires as much as possible. That's take right. Take the biases and really get these folks off to a good, solid start and able to take that useful information and be able to use that that they use for selection and hiring for onboarding and That's for right. coaching and development afterwards. Because here's the thing, they you may hire the perfect candidate, but they're missing that one skill, that one trait, that one behavior that you said was needed for the job, that's okay. But you know it. That's right. And you can work on developing that where before you didn't really know it. Mm -hmm. And by the time you found out about it, it may be too late. That's right. Absolutely. So it definitely brings a lot of science into this at all. So anyway, for the process interviews, I'll put some last thoughts, Tom. What do you... Um, what are some of your last thoughts and what would you like to tell the listeners? Well, I would just say this, don't hire uh, just because you feel like it's a good hire. Uh, too often what our decision makers have done is hire people that are just like themselves, which is sometimes the worst thing to do. And at the same time, they're not using the system. It's, and it's, if it is a, it's kind of a hit and miss type of approach they've used. So stop doing that, take an organized approach and you'll have better results, much, much better results. Absolutely. I mean, there's some great processes that are out there. Like I said, mm -hmm. uh, we just happen to have one particular one that we use, but I really, you're absolutely right. You, as long as you have a systematic process, you're able to identify people that are, that are solid, that fit the job that you're looking for and that have those skills and abilities. And that, so it isn't just the traditional outdated resume, outdated job description to an overinflated resume. Mm -hmm. Try to match those up do the kabuki dance, and then nine months later, mm -hmm. you're back to square one and hiring again. We're all trying to avoid that. That's so right. hopefully this will be a little bit of a help for some people uh, so they can take and put some different processes in place, whatever those might be, and hopefully try to avoid that bad hire in the future. That's right. All right. Sounds all good. Right. Well, if you don't have anything else, uh, we're going to – it'll be the end of – this episode of Business Smarts Radio with Tom and Dr. Dave. I appreciate you staying with us for episode seven as we talk about what is job benchmarking and how it can help your company. And we will see you in episode eight.